deal or deal or no deal. Uh, I was I am uh, I really love the program where the guy has the suitcases and uh, and and the individuals they're they're trying to get a million dollars and as long as they do not choose that uh, the wrong case it, it had to be in the case and what happened is that folks will be bidding and bidding and bidding and that's something that we want to uh, look at this morning so let's go on to the next slide and I'll just kind of read it out to you um, I kind of put this up before you because I saw out of all the pictures, this one kind of convey uh, this whole idea of Isaiah uh, 118. Uh, and we're looking at verses 118 to 120. But I want us to understand something that is very important. We're going to go through the text, but there is a subtle thing that we need to keep in mind as students of the word. Everyone will probably read Isaiah 1, uh, 1 through 20, yes. But we remember Jesus uh, said, I do, you watch. Now, what we're going to be looking at also is this, from this angle. Here's, there's about three or four snapshots or three or four mess, really messages out of it. I'm trying to put this into one. And that is, number. the first thing is the Lord is saying, if you're going to learn how to love, let me show you how to love a person. And so he's, so we come into this whole context as, as love moves in a way that normally is not addressed. The, the verse goes like this. Come now. Let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so here, this is not no speculation. He's putting everything on the table for these folks as he talked to them. But he's doing it, and it's always, look at how the Lord does it. He always does it in love. Come. And then really the thing is, deal or no deal, you know. Either you, you can respond to me or not. Uh, again, as I said, during my lunch break, I turned TV on to view the game and show Deal or No Deal. I watched the participants' emotions, attitudes, and reactions as the game began became more intense. Some walked away with a dollar in, in, the, in their quest to win a million-dollar prize. They refused the offers that were given to them. The intensity of the show caused well, one contestant who was uh, provided about $199,000 to reject it in hopes that they had the million dollars in their case. The bottom line is that they left the show with $25 in regrets. They had to decide, deal or no deal. You know, some, that's what the Lord lays before us. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the decision is always in our hands. God does not make that decision for us. Either deal or no deal. I think you basically got the idea. Throughout the Bible, it is recorded that God, who is holy, merciful, and extends extraordinary grace, 
race, was rejected and abandoned by his chosen people. They established a lifestyle that was in total conflict with the will of God. My aim, I desire that we fully understand the circumstances and ultimatum that the Lord put on the table for the backslidden Judah to consider and choose. It's amazing that when we go into sin, God comes after us. We don't go after him. We're walking away from him. But God always comes after us. And he has a, a threefold method of doing it. The Holy Spirit convicting us. The Jesus Christ praying for us. The our Father waiting for us. We, got, we have three points of pulling us entities, pulling us to the righteousness of God. And people still say no. It's worth considering that God has never punished a righteous person. Now, you hear what I'm saying? If you're walking with the Lord and obeying him and all, why would God want to punish you when he wants to bless you? See, that's a, what they call an oxymoral situation. God wants to bless you, but he can't bless your mess. It's important to uh, distinguish between being tested and being punished. When you are tested, James talks about that, and, and also in Romans, the whole idea is that God develops character. Uh, because this whole word of, of testing, those of you who are cooks, you know, uh, and you uh, put something on the stove, you want to see how uh, it tastes, guess what? You test it. You put it to the test, and if, you, it doesn't, if it lacks something, you add something to it. You test it. Punishment is a, on a different level. When the Lord punish you, is because you have rejected everything he has told you to do. And punishment is never an accident. It's always a response to our decision. To fully understand the depraved state of Judah and the severe warning from the people, uh, the prophets Isaiah, we must understand the whole picture. Now, let's go to the next slide. Um, it says this. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and uh, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Isaiah carefully revealed the participants' place and time frame. When we talk about Judah, I didn't put this in my notes, but just in case. When we talk about Judah, if you just run a, a search on just Judah, um, I just typed it up and I just started going. And every time it said Judah, I watch all the things from Judah the person to, to Judah the tribe, uh, Judah all the way down uh, to how they uh, prosper, their fall. And then it's mentioned, uh, I think it's in, in Wikipedia, that uh, Judah and Jerusalem, have been under siege and have been um, beaten 40 times, 40 times. Uh, that means 40 times they have rejected God. Uh, and so here we see now that God is coming to Judah. Judah has um, have moved, moved into a fallen state. And so um, Isaiah carefully revealed the participants' place and framed uh, uh, time frame. Jehovah who created, promised, and controls all of the activities of man. Isaiah, the prophet, 
his vision from uh, the Lord. He's doing the narrative. Then we have Judah and Jerusalem, who were the offenders. And then the com contemporary kings, uh, Isaiah, Jilton, Ahaz, and uh, Hezekiah. These are the ones who come on the stage, and that's what we'll be looking at as we see how the Lord says, I'm going to deal with these folks. I'm sick and tired of them. But when I deal with them, I will not deal with them as those who are not a part of my family. I will deal with them in love. And so the Lord comes to these folks, Judah, who's been, who have constantly been messing up on the Lord. Uh, the Lord still come in a loving way. Now, I praise the Lord for that. Because there are some things in our lives that we've constantly been messing up on the Lord in that area. The Lord says, deal with your anger. He didn't do it with the anger. Uh, deal with lying or deal with this or deal with your tongue and, and each time you do it it grieves the Lord but he doesn't walk away uh, he comes because we are his and that's a wonderful thing to know amen well let's go on Isaiah 2 hear O heavens and give ear O earth for the Lord has spoken children I have reared and brought up but they have rebelled against me. The vision of Isaiah revealed the disappointment, upset, and anger of the Lord against the people he loved. You, you, can, you know, there's a different type of anger, I guess. This is Don Ragan. When it says that the Lord is angry with the wicked all day, all the time. But he's, he's angry with this because it's personal. They know him. They know the commandments, and with all of that, they still rebel against me. And remember what I said in Sunday school. The way that Satan attacks is in the spiritual realm. He attacks when it comes down to the word of God. He attacks when it comes down to uh, our hearing and, pro and, uh, and, and our thought lives. He attacks in all of these areas. And so he attacked Judah. He got Judah's eyes off the Lord. And the only way that Judah can go now is down. But will God walk away? Oh, no. Not according to Isaiah. And that's why I say there's another picture we look. Not only at, at the, um, the leaving of Judah, but the love of God. Let's move on. Contrast. The ox knows his own owner. And the donkey is master's rib, but that conjunction with a function. Israel does not know. My people do not understand. You know this, Harper. Lord said, I, you know, I created the donkey, you know, and, uh, and the ox, and, and even they know their masters, and they know how to respond. He said, but here is human, the high of the chain. I made in my image. And they get us now with the intellectual powers that they have. They don't know me. Get this. They don't even understand me. And the best way that you can understand anything is first getting to know. And that's why you find uh, that it says uh, at the beginning of, of wisdom, uh, knowledge is, is, is knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so I think it's so important. The sins of Judah caused them to lose their identity and sense of belonging. They lacked knowledge and understanding. This guaranteed a disastrous situation. 
When you start thinking ahead of God, you're on your way to a disastrous situation. Now, instead of lifting God up, he has to pull us, pull us out of our mess. That wastes our time, not God's time. It wastes our time at the things that we could have been doing for him. And so as we look at this, may this be a lesson to us. As we look at this uh, uh, Isaiah, as he, he writes to uh, Judah in the folks of Jerusalem. Okay? Circumstances. Our sinful nation, a people laden with in, in, iniquity, our offsprings of uh, evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord, despised the Holy One of Israel, are utterly estranged. Uh, three things that describe the spiritual state of Judah and Jerusalem. Let's break it down. Number one, they had forsaken the Lord. They deliberately turn away from God. All you parents know that when you tell your children to do something and then they act like they didn't hear you. <laughs> it wasn't an accident. They're hearing it's fine, okay? Because you mentioned something like, oh, I've had this $10 for you. You said it right behind that. You see them make, the, make a complete turnaround called repentance. They're turning to go in a different direction. Here it says they have forsaken the next thing they despise, that's, that's an, first is an action, the other one is an attitude. They despise the Holy One of Israel and formed a hostile attitude toward God. You know Satan is clapping his hand at this point. Why? This is Judah. When you look at the history of Judah, as I was going down looking at all the Judas, there's about 180 references to Judah. But as I was looking to the, the references on Judah and the fact that uh, uh that Judah was the, tri the first tribe when it came to war, then Judah was that first tribe that God put out there. Why? Because Judah meant praise. It was Judah that the, the King David came out of the tribe of Judah. And here, this is Judah that God is saying, you break my heart. You act like I don't exist. You walk away from me. You hate what I do. They were utterly estranged. They lost, because that's why that estranged means they lost all affection. Wow. That's what happens when you, um, when you drift away from the Lord. You can be with other coals and you're, you're set on fire and everything else. And then there's one illustration. The guy tried to get one of the members who have not been around in a while and went to the fireplace and he sat there with him. And he told the member, the member to pull up um, a charcoal and put it to the side. He put it to the side, but he just sat quietly. And finally, the charcoal became very cold, and finally, it could do nothing. And then he said, now, put the charcoal back in with the rest of the charcoal. And he put it back in, and that same charcoal that became very, it was cold and seemed distant, became fired up. And then the, uh, the pastor said, well, I guess it's time for me to go. And the member said, thanks for the message, Pastor. And he was back at church the next time. You know, sometimes when we drift away from God, God does not lambast us with a lot of things and, and beat us. Sometimes he just graciously laid lessons before us 
in his tender mercy. This, this, is, this is love at its best. We say, well, the cross of Calvary, that's, that's in the New Testament, love at its best. Here you see him working with the Jews, love at his best. People who have denied him and walked away from him. What do you do? If so, what would you have done if people act, treated, treated you like this? And the Lord says, in my classroom, you have a different attitude because you belong to me. So don't tell anybody else about your mess and get them into your way of thinking. First, think my way so they can see a pattern. And I think you got the idea. Let's, let's go on. Consider this. When a person or a group of people have not developed and sustained biblical core values, their whole life will become infected by the toxic influence and control of their sinful nature. Isaiah 5. Why will you still be stuck? So why are you still stuck in this mess, this quagmire of sin? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and raw wounds, you are not pressed out uh, or bound up or softened with awe. Says you folks in a mess, and you're still out there. And he says, "Why are you still out there when I'm available?" You know why our society is in so much trouble right now. They're trying to solve our problems without God. And when they try to solve our problems without God, they try to solve their problems without hope. And that's why the psalmist says, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me?" Hope thou in God. Here these folks are operating under unnecessary pressure. And here's the thing, here's the thing that was not there. There was no hope. Let's go on. The critical state of God's people. Your countries lie desolate. Your cities are burnt with fire. In every presence, uh, ever presence of foreigners devour your land. It is des desolate as overthrown by foreigners. The daughters of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field. I'll explain that. Uh, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we, have been, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What a comparison. Said, if the Lord didn't step in with his love, if the Lord didn't come in, in the midst of our mess and doing our own thing, then this would have happened to you. Wow. And that's how, when it, that's why, here's something that the Lord really laid in my heart as I was reading this. It's amazing how far love will go to reach individuals. To the worst places that you can imagine, to the taverns, to the prostitutes, to the drug dealers, I don't care where it is, love is not intimidated. Love will go there. But let me tell you something. Love has its limits. It stays within the lines of integrity. But Lord, the, no, the Lord said, I, I see what you're going through. And listen, there's a way out. There's a way out. 
Let's go to the next slide. The corrupt status of the spiritual leaders. First, he talked about the nation where they are. Said, so now let's look at the leadership. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of your burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who have required of you this trampling course? He says, when? Now, he says, when do you do this? There's um, Micah, the book of Micah. I talked about this. The Lord complained against them. He said, listen. He said, Paul, he says, you bring me all this stuff. Don't you know you disrespect me? He said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you take that to your governor? Take, it to your, take that mess to your governor and see if they'll receive it. Then why do you bring me blind sheep and everything else and expect me to accept it? And here's what happens here. These folks are going through the process without a heart as a true before God. There are folks who come to morning worship and they go through the process and their heart is still a mess. They still won't clean it up. Everything that God has been pointing out in your life, this is what you should be doing. And this, some, some of us have been dealing with for years. Here's what you should be dealing with. And guess what? We still come, sing a song, shed a tear, and still will not do. And the Lord says, why are you doing this? What are you expecting out of this? How do you expect holiness to walk into this type of mess? When holiness come in, it always come in to make a change, not to conform. Here's, here's, this is how love, this is the response of love. Love is, is, here's a struggle of love trying to pull these folks out of fire. Here's trouble. Here's, here's, here's we find love. God, God said, I'm trying to save you from myself. Listen, folks, I'm trying to keep you from a whooping. I'm, I'm not saying a whipping. I'm trying to save you from a whooping. But you're not coming. Why are you doing this? And you leadership, you should know better. You're encouraging the folks. He says, I'm not going to accept. He said, I'm sick of this mess. Uh, I recall this is old school. I think about Popeye when he says, this is all I can stand and I can stand no more. There's a point where God says, I'm sick of this and I'm not going to hear it. When I think of our country today, when I see where we are, we have stepped out of, outside of the boundaries, outside of the love of God. In our first schooling, you check it out in history. In our first schooling, the, one of the key books folks were reading was the Word of God. Right now, you can't even mention Jesus' name in church, in the schools. And, and now it's affecting not only in the schools and in the churches compromising their position, but also uh, you'll find it in Congress. Everywhere you turn, God, they're trying to take God out of the picture. And when they take God out of the picture, they are definitely removing hope out of our society. And so God tries to get our attention with all type of calamities that some we have not seen in a hundred years, some we have never seen, but we will not turn to pray to our holy God. And guess what? Every time God brings it about, it's not to destroy us, but to get us our attention. You see the love of God toward America? 
They said, God bless them. God has been a blessing, America, a blessing America. We just have not been blessing God. And so God says, when you love someone, you see what I'm dealing with these folks? I want you to have the same heart. Oh, Donna, you're reading into that. I know you're reading into that. Oh, am I? Get this. First John 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Oh, the love and the mercy and forgiveness of God is always available. But he has set a time limit. Available is there, but he set a time limit where he said, enough is enough. The Lord, I think it was Hosea, when he told Hosea, Ephraim have gone into his idol. Leave them alone. What do you do when the Lord leaves you alone? The Lord keep convicting me. Lord, <laughs> keep putting these stones. Give my attention, Lord. No, don't let me just walk away. Uh, because I'm made in your image, in your likeness, and Christ's blood to share for my sins. Here's love and in action. Then he said, verse 13, bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbath and calling of, of the convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assemblies. I don't care what you're doing. I'm sick of this. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. I was thinking about Isaiah says, I, all thy works of righteousness are as filthy rags. When you spread out your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. The Lord really put the case on the table, didn't he? <laughs> and this is not all speculative. He says, "This is what he says. Now that's not what you're doing to others. This is what you're doing to me, and it's also what you're doing to me. You're doing to others, and then you expect me to come around and bless you. It's not happening. Not me. Not under my watch. Who who is the God of this universe? Okay, and chosen you as a special people. Not under my watch." So we're looking at a whooping. I mean, they're getting a whooping right up in here. But the Lord says, uh, and this is a warning before they really got it. Okay? All right. Let's, let's go on. The corrective steps for reconciliation. Wash yourselves. Make yourself clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. You see where it starts? We move it before. This is a spirit. It says, start in the spiritual realm. Clean yourself up in front of my eyes. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. That The first where place of cleansing is not what you do on the outside. It's what you do on the inside. It says, then he says, uh, cease to do evil. Says, so in the spiritual realm, here's what I want you to do. And then in the physical realm, back up. You know, let your walk uh, uh uh, walk, uh, comes, go along with your talk. If your heart is straight with me, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I said, listen, he says, I want you to wash, I want you to make, I want you to remove uh, all these uh, the evil deeds before me in my eyes and cease to do evil. Concerning the four personal things the Lord laid out on the table, 
Personal cleansing is not an option to consider, but a command to obey. I think you got the picture. Let's go on. We're almost there, folks. <laughs> the commendable method of meeting the needs of others. Isaiah 117. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct uh, oppression, bring justice to the fathers, plead the widow's cause. Now see, he's almost repeating what he said before. This is a different verse. Okay. And so he breaks out that five things he mentioned here. Let me break it out for you. Here's what he says. Number one, learn to do good, which means you don't order, you're not doing it. Uh, so it's a learning experience. It won't be an automatic thing. It might be a day-by-day -day thing, but the Holy Spirit is there to convict you. He's there to coach you. And when you can't get a prayer for, uh, through, the Lord is, uh, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. So it's a learning experience. You mature from it. He says, I want you to learn from this. Uh, but, but I expect it to happen. Everything he puts here, he says, I expect it to happen. Okay. Here's, the, here's the deal on the table. Okay. And, there's a, and it's non-negotiable. The next is, uh, seek justice. Once you got your act together, then seek justice for, for others. Then I want you to correct oppression. Roll up your sleeves and get involved in areas as believers without being tainted by the thinking and actions of this world. Okay. Uh, it really is not necessary, I personally believe, for us to march on Washington, especially when you will not go to go to the corner or pray on the corner for our nation, for our city. So why are you marching to watch Washington? First, let's do some prayer where it belongs, in our own lives, uh, at church, uh, and uh, praying for our neighborhood. The next time you come up into the, the church or step out of the church, take a look at the neighborhood, and just take a minute before you get to your cars. Uh, just take a minute to pray for what you see of individuals in that building, that if they do not know Christ, they will forever burn in the lake of fire. Correct oppression. There is physical oppression and there is spiritual oppression. You have a lot of folks for under those type of, there is emotional oppression um, and there's relational oppression. I mean, there are so many type of, the people are oppressed. And guess what? We are the light of the world. He says, when you walk with me, this is what this is all I'm asking for. This is all I'm asking for. And guess what? I'll give you all the tools to do it. God never sends us into any place without being properly prepared. Then bring justice to the fatherless. And boy, when you begin to look at the statistics of the fatherless, not only the children without parents, uh, but, I mean, the various scenarios. Some, you have fathers at home, and that's all they are, in the house, but no, no ministry to their children. They are fathers in their function, although they're there in position. And God holds the father responsible for that. Okay. And then, uh, plead the widow's case. Don't forget the widow's. Especially during that time, and the widows were many. Now, think about it for just a moment. When you think about the widows then compared to now, whenever you see Israelites and how many of them were wiped out, and that's the, the wives that were back at home, they instantly became widows. They didn't have 
excuse me, a welfare system set up like America. Then they have all of these compensations. Guess what? The only way that the widows were taken care of was uh, through the church. Did you know that? And the Lord set that up with Deuteron and Deuteronomy. Well, Deuteronomy 14, why, why do we tithe? And he tells them, here's the reason you tithe. Read that whole thing about tithing. So that when you tithe, you also provide for the ministry of the, of the leadership. You divide, uh, you provide, uh, provide for the widows, et cetera, et cetera. It says, plead the widow's case. Because when there ever is hostility, the widows really suffer. And they don't have a husband to be on their behalf. The role of the women during that time uh, was uh, at a very critical state. The Jewish prayer was that, Lord, I'm glad that I'm not a sinner, and I'm glad. And one of the, another part of the prayer was, I'm glad I'm not a woman. Uh, they would really uh, look down uh, uh, on that. Uh, and then uh, developing godly core values will greatly impact the lives of others. I hope you receive, begin to see this whole chapter from a different perspective as we begin to look at how this thing is going. So we move on. I want to put this before you again. The Lord says, come now. Let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see why I put it? You see why I put it at first and now at the last? The Lord is saying, come. Not only to Judah, who were getting on the brink of God really doing something, he's saying to us do too, as believers. Believers mess up too, but love saying to God, oh, they do, yes, they do. Why do you think, for John said, if we confess our sins, he what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, First John 1, 9. And so when the Lord says, come in the Old Testament, guess what? He says, come in the New Testament. And guess what? When you come, you always have him there to listen. But you have to come with this one thing in mind. Deal or no deal. Either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. So don't blame me for the, for the as, it, as it, the kids would say, the consequences. Don't blame me for the consequences that happens in your life if you don't respond. Amen. So as we move into our next slide. The cause and effects of our choice. Come, let us uh, reason together, says the Lord. Come, uh, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the, uh, be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And notice this unique word. It didn't say beaten by the sword or slain by the sword. It says eaten by the sword. You will be devoured. You will be totally wiped out. And, and there's one scene where the Lord just totally wiped Israel out, tore down their walls. And not only the first, the, even when the Romans came in the New Testament, they tore down the walls. 
because of their disobedience. And before they did that, remember what Jesus was saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, that I would have gathered you as a hen would gather his chicks, but you wouldn't deal. You told me no deal. And he says, okay, you said no deal. So from this point on, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The choice is always ours. God is available <laughs> to deal with everything that we are dealing with. Amen. That's why we have a wonderful Lord. Well, Lord bless my heart. I just hope that it gave some insights to you. Uh, one last thing. You've been very patient. We have observed a snapshot of God our Father reaching out to a generation and should have been destroyed. It also revealed ravaging uh, effects of sin and response of a loving God who was not bent on retribution, but on reconciliation and restoration. There are two ways to deal with the sin in our life. Number one, deal. Acknowledge, confess, and receive a favorable response. Didn't the word tell us that? Okay, that's what he said to the Jews. That's what he's saying to us. Acknowledge it. If we confess our sin, you'll get a favorable response. He'll forgive us. And not only give us, forgive us, cleanse us, which means it's off the table. We'll never go on the table for what you have done. I will bring. I will not bring your past up to you. As far as the east is from the west, which says the Lord, will I, I cast your iniquity upon me? Then the other one is no deal. Rejecting the Lord's willingness to give us a chance to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. First John 1 9. Let us choose today to have nothing between our soul and our Savior. In fact, as we go into prayer and the song that we follow will kind of tie, it, tie that up. Maybe there's some of you under the sound of my voice. What has the Lord been dealing with you for a long time with? And have you noticed he came after you and you didn't come after him. You know, there's areas in your life that you know what is pride. I'm not going to list because you say, oh, then put mine on there. Okay, I just, that's why I said, you know what it is. So come on, put it on the table because he has it all on the table. And all he wants us to do is respond. And then there's a group of folks who need to put on the table the fact that they're sinners. All their sin that comes short of the glory of God. They can say this, say themselves. There's nothing they can do to be saved. And at this point, to realize that Jesus Christ came, just like God uh, uh, did that with, with the Jews and, and even put that for our reading and documented according to his word, God comes and he reasoned with us because he wants to save us. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. And Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. And you mentioned that if I confess it, you'll forgive me. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins and make me your child. And all you have to do is do just that. That's my prayer. And so, Lord, I pray for the CBF family. Thank you for your word and what it has to say to us. Thank you, Lord, that you're always available. But you have a limit. There's a time where you say enough is enough. Help us, Lord, to walk in the beauty of holiness. And those who do not know you, make that decision today. They don't need music. They, they all you have to do is say yes 
and turn their lives completely over to you, trusting what you would do through the blood of Christ. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord, with us, with the saints of God. Give us a victorious week. Help us, Lord, to uh, draw on the power that you enable us to access when we listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.